So I'm going to invite you to a, a passage of scripture that's familiar to us, but I think an important ending to our series that we're in together called, entitled this thing called love. First uh, Corinthians 13 is where we're going to be, which you, if you're familiar with this passage, know this as the love chapter in scripture and how in the world could you ever end a series without talking about the love chapter to any depth or degree? I don't know. So we're going to go through first Corinthians 13 this morning. I'm going to set the, the backdrop. We're going to start in, in, in verse 13. But here's my, my hope and what we've communicated throughout this series together, at least for the foundational thinking of love. Um, God made you for a relationship. God didn't primarily create you first based on what you can do. We're not here this morning to achieve greater status in God's eyes. We're not here to perform religion. Um, we're here to connect to him in relationship. And everything that we do this morning is, is a response out of love towards him because he first loved us. And seeing the demonstration of God's love, it then provokes us to, to love in response. It's a relational connection to the Lord. And so what truth, we're, we're people of God's word, we're creatures of, of the word is what they actually, the term they use in the first century, creatures of God's word. And they would, uh, we come to God's word to understand the truth, not so that we can become more puffed up in knowledge, uh, not so we can brag about being right and other people being wrong. The, the basis for understanding God is so that we can walk in better relationship with him. And so truth isn't the end uh, in means in itself, but truth is the tool by which we better understand God and connect to him. The Bible tells us um, he uh, worship him in spirit and truth, Romans 4.24. And so we, we connect to him in truth and then he, he lives within us. And so spiritually we connect to the Lord in that way. We, we love him and we see him demonstrated in his, his word, the truth. And Paul in, in telling us how to communicate God's word, he says, speak the truth in love. And Ephesians chapter four and verse 15, meaning if, if your truth isn't undergirded with, with love, it becomes legalistic and it misses the point of the truth, which God has given us, which is to connect with him relationally. And all of us come to God in different places in our, from different places in our lives, different experiences, and we're all in different, different places in our understanding of him. And, and the best way for us to, to receive truth, understand truth is for it to be undergirded in love. And so truth for us is the foundation for life, but love builds that bridge connectionally, relationally with the Lord. And so both are important. And so I, ho- I hope you understand when we go through this series talking about love, we haven't forsaken uh, truth as if love is exclusive from it, as if you just love and you don't need truth. But truth is the very foundation for which we operate on so that love and the truth of that love can build the bridge between our relationship with the Lord and with relationship with each other. I can't remember who sang the song, but I feel like just breaking out in chorus now, you know. Love can build a bridge. Whoever that was, was that Carpenters or something? I don't know. All right, that just shows your age, I guess, if you know that song. But <laughs> oh, so we have truth and we have love, and and in the love chapter, that's how Paul starts in the beginning of this, talking about religion or relationship, and he says, "And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing." Love is such a foundation for, for, for us in life. Uh, truth is, is what it undergirds on, but, but love unites. It's, it's looking at an individual who's living this maybe religious, performing type lifestyle, but really he finds himself empty in all of it because, because love... <laughs> 
Love is, is the point for which we're created and experiencing what God desires for us. is what Jesus demonstrated to us by coming to earth and giving his life. And when we talk about love together, I think one of the important things to consider as to why love is so significant is because in every relationship, there is a gap. Now, when we think about this theologically in our relationship to God, we'll often use the term for that gap as sin, the effects of sin or the curse of sin, whether it was a sin that we've conducted or it's just the curse of sin upon us, that in our relationship with God, there is a gap. And you can work all day long to try to bridge that gap, but it's impossible because there's nothing you've ever done that can undo the sin that you've brought against the holy God. It lasts for eternity. And so in order for that relationship to experience the wholeness for which it was created, that gap has to be bridged. And the only one that can bridge that gap is Jesus because his forgiveness is what needed to be offered for us to experience the relationship with God for which we were created to have. And so in every relationship, there is a gap. There's a separation, a divide, a chasm, a rift, whatever, whatever word you want to put into that. But what bridges that gap? love in fact when you look throughout the bible the communication to god's people is for us to be bridge builders to to be the one that that god works through to see the chasm of separation to to be bridged and and the demonstration of love undergirded by truth is is that very thing that helps us bridge that gap in fact in matthew 28 the word love is not even used here but it says go therefore and make disciples of all nations and so God in this verse, he's thinking about the ethnos, the people group. He, he, he's thinking about all the, all the individuals in this world. By the way, this is just a side note, but uh, the Bible doesn't talk about races. The Bible only sees one human race, but it does talk about ethnos, the, the different ethnic groups. And so in, with the, the mind of the world on his heart, God tells his people to go. And when he says go, we're, he calls us to be bridge builders, to communicate the truth of who God is, that they can understand him and walk in him and live in light of him. But this word for go actually means uh, as you are going. And so what it's communicating is you have different areas in this world in which you have influence over, different environments in which you engage people that might be different than the people that I have opportunity to engage. And so the Lord uses me as a light for him to be a bridge builder to the truth of who God is, that they can see the love of God demonstrated in their lives. In talking about the church in Ephesians 4, he says this, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit, the bond of peace, there is one body. And so when God sees his people, he sees his people as, as bridge builders communicated in the love of God together. In Matthew 19.5, and maybe talking about the, the one gap that we know relationally that we often go to in our mind, Jesus says this in Matthew 19.5, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. God's desire is to span that gap and love is the, is the thing that builds the bridge between the gap that exists in our relationship so that we can see the truth for who God is demonstrated in our lives. And one of the things I've recognized even in living in Utah is I think no matter where you live, God desires for our relationships, God's goal for our lives is that they thrive, and God's goal for our relationships is that they thrive, not just survive. 
And I've seen it even living here because of the economy and the way things uh, have transitioned in the state and the growth that we, you get a lot of people that are transplants, not from the area. What I've noticed about lives of individuals that live in Utah is that those that make the opportunity to, to build bridges or find it easier to build bridges or use the opportunity to build bridges seem to do better at thriving in, in, this, in, in Utah and making uh, new roots in an area than those that isolate themselves. And I, I think it's because God has created us for this purpose. I mean, you think in, in Jesus saying, Mark 12, 29 and 30, the commands are to love God and then love others, that the natural fruit of us and our relationship with God should then be to extenuate itself beyond us. To demonstrate the love of the Lord through our relationships with others. And so it's a very natural thing to to want to belong, to want to be a part, to to experience the connection of what relationships are. And I think the health for those relationships are rooted and founded in our understanding of who God is and who we are in light of him. Now, we talk about the gap that exists. One of the, the themes that we've, we've discussed throughout this series is that in order to bridge this gap, you have to be intentional. Bible tells us, or not, excuse me, not the Bible, the, the slogan I've shared throughout the series together, it's, it's, it takes a pulse to fall in love, but it takes a plan to stay in love. What you put in that gap becomes important to how that bridge is, is built. In fact, if I just chose a weird word to throw in there of what needs to go in that gap, I would say, according to what Paul is going to reveal in 1 Corinthians 13, it's love fruit. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, it's love for that he describes in 1 Corinthians 13 when you read the rest of this passage. And here, here's what is interesting before I dive into this passage uh, to, to just take note as you get ready to read this. It's 1 Corinthians 12. Paul just talked about the body of believers. He's talking about working together in the Lord and seeing God really work through a people that, that, that care for him and desire to, to be used by him. And he, and he describes the body of believers as one body. Working in unison, that God has gifted us all differently and, and that God wants us to use those gifts to make this holistic, beautiful description of Jesus being lived out in our lives. And so then 1 Corinthians 13, he describes sort of the, the fruit of what that is that we would put into those relationships, what spans that gap to show the unity of the body that Jesus has demonstrated through our lives. And so he he describes love, but I I think in love, he gives us a sort of this fruit of what love is. It's not just this arbitrary, I love you, you know, but it's, it's the specific look of, of how love is communicated in this passage. And so he says this as a way for us to examine ourselves, to see if this is, this is the fruit that's coming out of what I describe as, as love in my life. And so he says in first Corinthians 13, four, love is patient. I'm all right at that, (laughs) right? Love is kind. It is not jealous, lest the jazz lose. Does not brag. Is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. Does not seek its own. Love is not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness. Look, rejoices with the truth. Paul's talking about the fruit of what love is. 
that an understanding as God calls us into the world, that in every relationship there is a gap, and God desires for us and the platform of truth to, to be used by him to bridge that gap, and the fruit that we display in love should, should be represented in these adjectives he uses to attribute to what love is. We talk about this gap that ex- exists. I just want to remind us of the, the motivation for bridging the gap. We, we approach this desire of being loving and, and experiencing relationship for where God calls us to. It's, it's important to remind ourselves that, that the motivation before, before us as to why we want to do this isn't because of what we get from the relationship, but rather what we give to the relationship. And the reason that we're motivated to bridge such a gap isn't because someone else completes us, but rather we find ourselves complete in our identity of who we are before Christ. The strength for us to love is because we've been loved. And the place for which we have been loved is in a place of which love does not run dry. A place where our identity and worth and value and meaning is discovered. And that discovery is made in Christ who has gone to the extent of giving his own life that we could understand him and walk in truth with him and love him and find our freedom through him. And what Paul is communicating in this passage is that what you put in this gap makes a difference. What you put in the gap in your relationship with others makes the difference in how that bridge is built. Because love isn't the only thing that can go in this gap. In fact, the opposite of love, if you just think about, uh, pull out the thesaurus this morning and think about the antonyms to, to what, he, what he's describing in this, this passage if you want to do the exact opposite of building a bridge, then the exact opposite of what's displayed here will produce that. And so love isn't the only thing that you can put within this gap to experience what God desires for us in relationships. And so what you put in this gap makes a difference. Uh, having uh, love, it just, it just requires a pulse, but staying in love requires a plan. If you just illustrate it, right, in pictures. Depending on the way that you intentionally put in this gap, what you put in this gap determines if, if you, you drive closer together or you're pushed further apart. And when you talk about the idea of love, love doesn't have to be all fluffy and roses. Love can be expressed in discipline. Love can approach conflict. In fact, I think love does approach conflict. It's what Jesus did for us. But when you begin to put in this gap the things that are expressed by what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 3, when you become intentional about those things to bridge that gap, it brings you together, right? Sometimes a little too close. <laughs> but the reality is, it's how you build solid relationships. It's how you build a solid marriage. How you make babies. I mean, look at it. Their faces make a heart. How do they even do that? They got a heart shadow coming between them. Impressive, right? I mean, on, on one sense, I know we talked about this. Uh, 
a few weeks ago in the first part of the series, but when we describe love, oftentimes when we, we communicate love, we're not talking about giving ourselves away. Rather, what we're talking about is getting selfishly what we want. And so the only reason I say I care about you is because of something in specific that I want you to address for me. And I think, guys, ladies are good at sniffing that out sometimes. Um, what I mean is this, that love, talking from a a male perspective, what drives our love can often be very selfish and take advantage of people. And if you really want to enjoy a relationship, what you put in the gap matters. And what I'm saying to us guys this morning, especially on Mother's Day and an appreciation just for women in general, is that... um, well, I'll just say it like this. Guys, learn to speak to her heart before you're concerned with her body. Okay. What you put in that gap matters. Unless you're not married, then don't take that advice that I just said. But what God's interested in is your heart, relationally to him. And what God desires for us to reflect is an interest in each other's heart and bridging that gap. And what you put in that gap matters. And here at Alpine Bible Church, we, we love when people intentionally bridge that gap. And I know you're asking this morning, how much do you love it? I just, just to throw this out there, I love it so much that when that gap is bridged like this, I like to show up and then just put, give me a click mic, one click please. I lost control. I put my head right in the middle of that gap. (laughs) I love that gap so much. (laughs) It's it's an embarrassing moment in my life there, but bridging that gap is so important to us that it's Frank and Marissa here. Good, we can keep this up uncomfortably as long as we want. (laughs) Just bridging that gap becomes, you don't know how long I've waited to put that in a sermon somewhere. (laughs) What what is he doing back there? I'll tell you, it's the Care Bear Stare. Let's let's go (laughs) to the passage. But bridging that gap, you can click off that. I don't know, that's kind of weird. But that's what the Lord wants in our lives, right? In fact, believe it or not, you guys, you can try this later, but um, I think that moment can even be a worshipful moment before the Lord. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that later with my wife. I'm worshiping Jesus. Come here. <laughs> but it's honoring him. What you put in that gap. And you know, one of the beautiful things about relationships is that they're flexible. And, and, and what I mean is, when you talk about putting things in this gap, you don't just do it one time. And, and the reason is, is because the person I was 20 years ago is not the person I am today. And if you knew who I was 20 years ago, everyone would have said amen as loud as they've ever said it, right? I mean, it's like, thank God I'm not that. But at the same time, uh, love works in such a way that we get to places in our lives where we may not be as, as, as well off as what we were 20 years ago. But I think love sees the best in each other. In fact, we're going to look at a verse that says that in just a moment. But love continues to motivate into that relationship to build that, build that bridge. The truth of who God is can just be demonstrated in the lives of others that we can find healing through that relationship with each other. 
And here's the, the good thing about relationships not being uh, flexible, not always this dogmatic thing. We're not always the same. I know guys tend to, uh, you know, as a kid, I've always liked bologna sandwiches. And I, could, I think I could live on them the rest of my life. I don't know that that's ever going to go away. But, but there's other places of me that, that have changed. And here, here's the beauty of, of it changing is that in, in changing, my wife has an opportunity to, to not just get in a rut of the way she loves. But to truly in the changing of us as individuals to see if she's continuing, continuing to love and challenge her in, her in the way that she loves. And the same is true for me. That I, I'm learning about my relationship with God and what I'm putting into the gap by the way that God grows her in learning how to continue to love her in different ways throughout her life. And it doesn't just stop in that type of relationship. It's, it's every relationship we go through. As, as parents with kids, you know your kids are not the same as they were last week. Let alone you know, last year or whatever. That we go through seasons of life and changes in life and different experiences in life. And, and love is about the, the desire to, to help one another on that journey to, to bridge that gap. To help us to see the beauty of who God is. And then, and then in verse 7, Paul says something interesting. I, you know, I look at all verse 4, 5, and 6 and I see the way love's communicated. And then I get to verse 7 and I, just being honest, it's a little bit confusing. He says, love... Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Uh, you, you look at this in the, in the Greek, this idea for hope, it means to conceal or to keep secret. Sort of the sheltering in the relationship to guard someone for their well-being and uh, the idea of of believing all things carries the thought of trust or entrusting or this idea of, of hope means to expect or can look forward to <clears throat> and to endure means to remain patient with bravery. When you look at this and maybe you're wondering why in the world I, I find it maybe a slightly confusing as to what it's communicating and maybe you've read it and thought the same thing but when you when you look at this verse in verse 7 it says believes all things and hopes all things what in the world is it talking about what does believe all things mean and hope all things does that mean love is blind to believe all things or what about this Is, is love naive surely it can't believe everything I mean, this kind of sounds maybe even codependent, a little unhealthy. What's Paul communicating in this passage that to just believe and to have hope in? What what does it mean? Paul's referring to the gap. What you put in that gap matters. Every relationship has a gap. And sometimes the divide is bigger than others and sometimes it may seem that you're in one of the more intimate places in your life. But what you put in that gap matters and you can choose in those moments to believe the best in someone or assume the worst. And the reason we want to talk about this last in, in, in the series together is because we've really laid the foundation to, talk, to discuss what we put in that gap. Because what we tend to do as people is that when you, you place something in that gap, you either place what you've experienced 
or you place your position or authority. What I mean by what you've experienced is this. All of us have baggage from our past, whether it's it's healthy or, or bad. All of us have experiences that we've gone through that that we carry into our new relationships. And what we've looked at in the first couple of weeks is just the example of Jesus. Because all, knowing all of us at some point have had some relationship that's not been healthy, we need to understand what the ultimate goal is in every relationship. And the only example that can declare that to us is who Christ is. That in the midst of our sin, Jesus still gave his best. And Jesus still loved sacrificially, even when he had excuses not to. And so in John 13, 34, and 35, love as I have loved you. In Philippians chapter 2, in verses 3 and on, have this mind in you which was also in Christ Jesus. The point of those messages is, is to help us to recognize that when we respond to relationships, what we tend to put in those gaps is exactly what we've experienced in our past relationships in life, either they're healthy or bad. But for us, we need an example. What's accurate? What's true? What he's saying in this believe all things and hope all things is is the example of Christ is what we demonstrate when we place those things into this gap because what you do is, is that we tend to assume either the worst in people or expect the best in people. And what Paul calls us in this is to hope and believe. So we put in the gap is what we've experienced or we put in the gap our position or authority. Who I am. My authority. If somebody calls, your spouse calls, I'm going to be a little bit late. I'm sorry things happen at work. And all of a sudden you have an opportunity in that moment to put something in that gap. I can't believe that you would do that, right? Assuming the worst before you even know maybe any reasoning behind it. I can't, you don't care about me. Do you know who I am? Position. Authority. And we looked at the last two weeks, resolving conflict in Philippians 2, have this mind in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Jesus saying to us that though he's in the form of God, he thought it wasn't robbery to equate himself with God, but he lowered himself to death, even death on the cross. I mean, he was the most important person in the room, but he assumed the best for us, even in our sin. In fact, the reason we oftentimes find ourselves in conflict, James told us in James chapter 4, do you know the reason for conflict among you? And we're supposed to, he asks that question, we're supposed to answer yes, it's everyone else. And he says, no, it's actually the members at war within you. And you kill and you destroy because you do not have. And so what happens is we're communicating there's something wrong. And so rather than work through it in a Christ-like manner, we demonstrate our authority. We come in the room like terrors and we tell people to bow down because I'm the most important. And so what you put in the gap is essential. And what we typically put there is what we've experienced or our position in authority. I mean, you may even know what it's like. Be on the other end of that, where someone's position or authority is placed over you. You ever had a boss where 
No matter what you did, you just started from the negative. You couldn't win. You probably would categorize it as one of the more fantastic relationships you've ever had in your life, right? It felt like you wanted to be close to each other. You couldn't wait to see each other's faces, right? The bridge was really being built there. Look forward to going into work today. It's probably one of the longer jobs you've held too, right? (laughs) And what do you do in those moments? Well, Paul is saying for us that that love and the, the bridge that it builds is to believe and hope. It's to earnestly expect what God can produce in that relationship. To not assume the worst, but believe the best. To look forward to what God desires to accomplish in, in your relationship together. Why is it helpful? We see in Jesus' life how Jesus expecting best heals We love him because he first loved us. You think about relationships that you have in this world, that what, what they start on is hope and trust. It's what brings you together. It's what spans that gap to, uh, to, to bring uh, closeness and intimacy. And it keeps it going. And what Paul is saying in this passage is that relationships that are successful, they have, they have trust or belief in one another. Rather than accusation and choosing to believe the worst. It's helpful because we've seen it demonstrated in, in, in Jesus' life. That how, how someone believing and trusting and, and, and giving his life for the benefit of others heals. On the same thought. No one wants to be on the opposite side of a relationship that assumes the worst. It doesn't breed healthy growth. Being in a friendship or relationship where someone assumes the worst, is, it does not feel great. And when in our relationships, when we immediately go to the negative, what we communicate is this. No, no matter what you do or how hard you try, you're never going to be good enough. And so when you put someone in that position... Wedges the gap further. Paul is saying in this passage, trust builds the bridge. Disappointment rather destroys. Let me give us two two thoughts of advice. One, if you're in the relationship where you feel the other person may be expressing things negatively, Or if you're in the relationship where you don't want to be negative, but the other person makes it really easy (laughs) to do that, what do you do? Let me just say this first. If you're if you're in a relationship where someone goes to the negative, let me let me just tell you, you can't change them. Okay? Here's here's what I here's what I don't want to achieve this morning. I don't want to walk out this morning and something pricks something somewhere in a relationship with you, and you go to that person, you're like, they just preached a message on it, and this is why you stink. You know, that's not what we want at all. We don't want anything, anything to that degree or any sort of degree happening. You're, you're not going to change a heart that way. That's not going to work like that. And it's not helpful for, for you demonstrating a behavior that bridges the gap. Because on the other end of that, you're now guilty of doing the very same thing that we're saying in relationships that aren't healthy. 
So you can't change them. It's not helpful to tell them where they're wrong. I think in some cases, when you experience those things on the continual uh, walk with someone in a relationship, boundaries help so that way you don't get hurt to a, to a certain degree in, in, in what they're behaving with. But I think one of the important things you could do is pray for them. When you see in this passage of Scripture, what Paul says that where our hearts can rest and how helpful that is, I would say pray for them because when someone demonstrates that in their lives, you don't know what it took for them to get there. We don't always know the baggage people have gone through, the hardships they've faced, and they need some grace. And you, this morning, in hearing how Paul communicates that, gets to be a a liaison to, to demonstrate this and the goodness of who Christ is. And so you can pray for them and just show them by example what it means to believe and trust. And honestly, to some degree, you can prove them wrong. I mean, an example of a, a boss who may be difficult on his employee, you can demonstrate from your life the exact opposite of the accusation. Just, just let the character speak for itself. I know it sometimes takes longer in relationships for that to be demonstrated, but in your life, even still, Jesus is worshipped. I mean, God is glorified in that sort of response to the midst of of hardship. In fact, could I say it's most like Jesus? Because it's exactly what Jesus did for you. On the other side, what if... What happens when a person responds disappointing? And at that moment, you can't believe or you can't trust. I mean, what what do you do when you are in that relationship and you see what Paul says here, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things? How how do you respond when someone gives you exactly the opposite of, of being able to trust in and believe in them? And then this is what I say is address it when it happens. Don't assume the worst because that divides. But when it happens, address it. And if it doesn't, don't, don't go there because what God desires is for you to, to work towards the best in each other. Trust doesn't mean you don't address the trouble. Rather, what it's saying is you look for reasons and explanations that's honoring to someone else and uniting with them. Until there is no excuse. And when there is no excuse, you have a conversation. But you don't accuse. You don't live in the negative. Rather, you look for the solution in the trial in order to get past the negative so you can move forward together. I want to say this before I give you the last last way to respond to that person, but um, because we've talked the last four weeks in love, one of the things I want to talk about next week is just boundaries. Because there's certain areas in our lives where those are healthy, but we'll get, we'll get to that in the future. But I, I want to say this: <clears throat> what happens? <clears throat> what happens when you respond to someone that's disappointing? Uh, when when you know they've done something that may not be worthy of believing in or trusting in? And the first is you address it when it happens, and the second is this. <clears throat> healthy relationships happen when the focus is on the target and not on the peripheral, okay? What I mean is when someone responds negative, I think it's important to address 
address it when it comes up, if it's essential to the relationship or helpful for the individual. I think when that moment happens, you don't just assume and you live in a life of assuming, but you believe and you bear and you hope and you endure. But the goal of all of it in the midst of the conflict is to address the conflict so that in the relationship you can begin to pursue the target again. What's the target? I think it's through your relationship with the Lord, being able to express His goodness in your relationship with one another. We've demonstrated it in John 13 and Philippians chapter 2, and Paul's talking about the unity in and, and this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We don't live our lives trying to address everything that's wrong with every relationship that we have because you'll never have the opportunity to enjoy what God has given you and grow towards that goal together. Whether you believe all things and you hope all things, I mean, you, you continue to look towards that target with one another so that you can experience what God has created that relationship for. When it comes to gaps... You're always going to have a gap. But relationships are about bridge building. To experience the love that's built on God's truth. Every time you have a gap, you make a decision. What are you going to put into that gap? Some of us have come from broken, messed up backgrounds. Poor examples. Not having had a, a target to shoot for, understanding the reason for which God's created relationships. Tried to kind of figure it out, but maybe muddle along. But hopefully in the series together, we've, we've looked and we examined what love really is. And where you find your worth. And what to do in conflict. And what God has called you to in relationship in this world. And how to build in the gap. You know, I think as we leave here this morning, we have a, a choice to not only put in the gap of our relationships, but to, to really model for this world what it means to love as God has called us to love and demonstrate the love in which Jesus has lavished upon us. I think more than any generation for us in, in, in America, our culture needs to know that love is possible and to live in intimacy, enjoy relationships that thrive is possible because of the love that Jesus has given to us and you have an opportunity to make an impact on your culture, on your culture in this generation in, in demonstrating this love. But can I tell you maybe the most important thing? When you read 1 Corinthians 13, I think it's just worth ending and noting that Jesus has loved you this way. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love does not brag and it is not arrogant. It does not act unbecoming. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And then he says this in verse 8. 
Love never fails. The only reason we can talk about love to this degree is because this love has been demonstrated in Christ. His love has been demonstrated for you that you could connect to him. Jesus has spanned the gap that has separated you and your relationship with him because of sin. And can I tell you, in everything that we've talked about this morning, the most important thing is to reach out to that God that has spanned that gap for you. Look, if you've never done that, I think this morning it starts like this. I love you. I know you've covered my sin by dying for me. And I want to embrace that to experience you and the love for which you've created me to experience in you. The Bible tells us from there we become new new creatures, able to demonstrate his love in the world around us. This message has been brought to you by Alpine Bible Church in Lehigh, Utah. If you'd like more information, please visit us online at alpinebible.com.